0: To sit at your feet, Lord, and to hear from you, Lord. Lord, we want to hear from you, Lord. We want your word to do a great work in and through us, Lord. Lord, as you said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, Lord. And this is the word that we're going to be taking in today, Lord. Lord Jesus, use your word to transform us. Use your word to, to renew us, Lord. To make us brand new, Lord. To change our way of thinking, Lord, to change the lies that we've been practicing, Lord. Lord, all we want to do is, is hear the truth, Lord, and live the truth out, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this final service, Lord, that we're having of the uh, of 2011, and Lord, we know that uh, that you have great plans for this church, Lord, coming in the coming year, Lord. Lord, may we walk in that fullness, Lord. May we walk in the plans, Lord, that you have for us, Lord. As we continue to pray for this community, Lord, that you would move powerfully, Lord, that there would be a revival, Lord, in La Puente, Lord, and Lord, that you would bring the multitude, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor, Lord, for all that you're going to do, Lord, in and through us and around us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in Leviticus 20, and uh, we are going back to... uh, to the uh, verse-by-verse teaching, at least uh, as far as Thursday is concerned. uh, uh, This coming Sunday, we'll be off of it, off of the uh, verse-by-verse teaching. But for today, we are back on it. And uh, as we go through Leviticus 20, we're going to be talking about the law. And uh, not only are we going to be talking about the law, but we're going to be talking about the penalty for breaking the law. You know, God will reveal to us the judgments, the penalties that come for breaking the law. But I want to talk about this because many people think that the Lord enjoys punishing the transgressor. But the Lord does not have any joy in punishing the sinner, the transgressor. You know, why would He have Joy in doing that if He came, right? And He gave His life for us. Why would He enjoy giving us punishment if He paid dearly with His life? If He gave it up for us? You know, He came and He suffered and He gave it. So He has no joy in doing that. What He has joy in is offering forgiveness. That is His joy. The forgiveness that we receive when we come to Him in repentance, in asking Him for forgiveness. You know, as we go through this verse, I mean, through this chapter, I want us to think about one thing, is that we all reap what we sow. And if we want to sin, and if we practice sin, then we're going to reap corruption. We're going to see its penalty. We're going to see its consequences. But when we sow to the Spirit, right? When we sow in the Lord, we reap everlasting life. And see, and that's what is told to us in Galatians 6, 8. You know, as we talk about the law, why is it that God gave the law? Why is it that we have laws of God? For one thing, He wants us to know What is sin? See, he wants us to identify sin against God. And the only way to know that we are sinning against God is if he gave us what? His law, right? Otherwise, we'd be ignorant to sin. We'd be ignorant to our transgression. And then he gave us the law also so that we can live by these standards, This is what the Lord would want us to do, is to live by His standards, by God's standards. And so He gave us the law, but why also? Let's talk about this, as we talk about the penalties, right, of the law. Why is it that we have penalties when it comes to the law? If we break the law, right, there's going to be a penalty for it. There is a consequence, there is judgment for it. See, He gives us the penalties, right? And He speaks about the penalties because He wants sin to stop. He wants it, from, he wants it to, to hinder it from spreading. And we know that sin is infectious, right? You know what? When we're around people that are sinning, people that you know, aren't doing the godly things, what happens to us? We begin to participate in it, right? Our flesh is so weak that we begin to partake in it. And that's why the Lord tells us in the scriptures, He says, you know what? Do not be around bad company because it corrupts good morals. It corrupts good habits. It corrupts good behavior. Now, if we look at here, the U.S. of A, right? If we look at our court system today, See, because as we talk about sin, right, we're going to talk about crime. We're going to talk about all of these things that the Lord wants us to hear about today. It's mainly sin, right? Anything that, that is contrary to God's word, it's, it's sin and it's a crime. And, and in the U.S. of A., right, when we look at our court system, our court system, right, it, it's supposed to protect the victim, right? The one that's been harmed. The one that's been hurt by somebody. But we also know that the court system, the way it is today, it also give, gives rights to the criminals, doesn't it? You know, it gives them rights, right? There are certain rights that they receive. And sometimes the right that they receive is actually greater than the victim himself, right? That's the way the court system has been set up. And with the rights... Of the criminals, the criminals that are protected. And with the less judgment that happens, right, in our court system, what happens? Crime goes up, right? It's just, you know, it's it's just a matter of fact. That crime will go up if there's no punishment. And if there's what? And if the criminals have protection. I'm going to give you an example in Texas. In the 80s, right? In the 80s, the crime rate in Texas, it soared by 29%. And yet the rest of the nation was only increasing by 4%. So what Texas began to look at is they began to look at how they were dealing with criminals, how they were dealing with crime. And so what they began to do was be, they began to issue out stricter punishment. They began to give out increased jail time or prison time. And did you know with that, what began to happen? There began, there began, there began to be less crime. It began to decrease. Because it was what? A greater punishment, Right? See, when the criminal knows that, you know what, that he's going to get away with things, right, with murder, whatever the case may be, they're going to practice that. And as we are talking about this, right, I want you to understand how real crime is today. I think many of us, if we look at the news or we look at the papers, we see that, you know what, there's an increase of crime happening everywhere, right? Throughout the nation, it's just, it's just not in certain parts. It's throughout the nation, there's an increase of crime. When you walk the streets of La Puente, it'll tell you that there's crime going on, right? Because every window on every house has what? Iron bars, right? And most houses, what do they have in front of them? Iron gates, right? They have gates to keep out what? The criminals, right? And this is what they're trying to do. And this is how we know that, you know what, that crime is running rampant, right? Not only in in the nation, but also in our neighborhoods. And it continues to spread and spread. Let me share this with you. If capital crimes were all punished by capital punishment, what would it do? You know what? Anyone that committed a crime, and we're going to be going through several sins, right? If they were issued capital punishment for every capital offense, you know what? We probably have a lot less crime, right? But I want you to know one thing. That issuing capital punishment, it's not going to stop crime. Capital punishment will never stop crime. It may decrease crime, right? And if there's greater punishment for the criminal, it will decrease the crime that is out there, but it will never stop it. Why won't the law stop it? Because it can't. It was never designed to stop it completely. Do you know what stops crime completely? a surrendered heart to Jesus Christ. That is what stops crime. See, why is it that a surrendered heart to Jesus stops crime? Because, see, we love God so much, right, that we don't want to offend Him. We don't want to do anything wrong to Him. And this love that we now have received from God, we begin to love others. And why do you want to hurt somebody See, what happens in us is that when we become believers, right? The Lord gives us what? A brand new heart, doesn't he? And he also transforms our heart. He transforms it from one of sin to one that has now love for God and love for others. And so for the Christian, the one who loves the Lord, the one who obeys the Lord, we no longer live for ourselves. Because the criminal that's out there committing the crime is what? Is doing it because he wants something for himself. Whatever it may be. And with that, I just wanted to prepare you all for for what the Lord wants to share with us. In regards to the penalties for breaking the law. In verse 1 of chapter 20 it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. You know what? I'm going to have to give you, I'm going to have to expound on this. I'm going to have to speak about who Molech is for you to understand what's going on here. But one thing that he says before I talk about Molech is that he says if anyone gives their children to Molech, he shall be stoned. He shall be stoned to death. It's not just, you know what, well, let's stone him, let's hurt him, let's, let's, let's cut up his face and his body with stones. He says, no, you stone him to what? To the death. And we're going to be talking about that. Who is Molech? Molech was a god A created God of the Ammonites. And this God that was created, right? He's not a true God because there is no other God aside from who? The true God, the living God, right? Which is a God that we worship. So this God that they created, which is Molech, he was a large metal God. And you know what they would do with this metal image? Is they would heat it up. It would be so hot. It would be burning hot. Have you ever touched burning metal? It's, you know you could see it how, how hot it is. You could see a little smoke in it. Or you could even see red coming out of it because it's burning. You know what they would do with babies? This mole god, the way they, they made him, right? He was a metal, a large metal object. And he would have his arms stretched out like this. And they would burn it so hot. And you know what they would do? Is they would give their babies to the the God, to the Molech. And you know what the babies would do? They would burn up. They would kill their babies. And why were they doing this? Because they were reaching out to this Molech God to bless them, to protect them, to guide them. Imagine that. To think. You know what that babies were given To this pagan God that wasn't even a real God. They would offer their children to him. You know what's so amazing? And I want to share this with you because it's important that we understand this. The only one that has claimed to be God. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. There is only one who is a true God who came to this earth to tell us he is God and he proved it by his resurrection from the dead. There is no other God that has come to say, I am God and proved it to us through resurrection. See, they all claim, you know what? They, all these other demons and so forth claim these idols to be God's, but none of them have proved it to you that they are. There's only one that has, and that is the Lord, right? That is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, that said, I am God, and I will prove it to you by dying and rising in three days. All these other gods say they're gods, right, by people claiming them to gods, to be gods, but they've never proved it to anybody, so when you look at Jesus Christ, we know that we worship the true and the living God. Why is it that the Lord would want these people to be stoned? You know, as you know, it's murder, right? to give up your baby and, and to have them burned to death, Torched? you know, I mean burned in those arms stretched out that are burning hot? See because. When people begin to worship those gods, they become infectious. They lead others to worship false gods. And so what is it that God wants to do? He wants to do away with them, right? He wants to say, you know what? These people, they're so far gone, they are perverted, that you got to get rid of them. See, as I started, right, in our court system, we don't do that, do we? We allow criminals to go back out and to commit the same crime. How many repeat offenders do you have out there that are murderers, kidnappers, child molesters? You know what? As we see here, the Lord says, you know what? These guys are so far gone as they murder their kids you know what, you got to get rid of them. Or the pollute, that pollute, that infection is going to spread. Think of it this way. I'm going to bring it now into another perspective. Imagine every woman who committed an abortion. If she was to be stoned to death. It's the same thing. The children that were sacrificed to Moloch is the same way that women today are committing abortion. Killing the babies that are in their stomachs. That are alive. That are in the uterus. They're alive. They're actual people. Yet the enemy has deceived them into thinking that they're not real. That it's only a thing versus a person. Imagine if this was still going on today and the Lord uh, and, and, and women that committed abortion were stoned to death. You think there'd be over a million abortions going on in the U.S. of A. today? I think most women would have second thoughts now, right? They would be thinking, you know what? Man, if I kill my baby, I'm going to get killed. And I love myself so much, that's why I'm doing away with this person, right? Because I'm so consumed with myself and my needs. they would have a second thought. Abortions would plummet from that million, from that 1.2 million that's an average of what's going on today. If we keep reading in verse 3, it says, I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. As we see here, the Lord says, you know what? If you turn your face to those that are killing their babies, that are sacrificing their babies to this God, Molech, you know what? You're going to be cut off. And most of the time when the Lord talks about cutting them off, He's talking about stoning. He's talking about to the death. But when it comes here, you know what? I can't say for certain that that is what the Lord meant here. Because we know one thing that The Lord also expelled or there was expulsion from the camp if people were in sin. And and that's a possibility here. So I can't say for certain that the Lord was talking here to also stone them to death. But we do know one thing is that he said, you know what? You get them out. See, because them too that are closing their eyes to this, they're just as guilty They're allowing these things to go on. But he talks about prostituting themselves, right? All who prostitute themselves. Why would the Lord use this term? See, one thing that he uses to the believer or or to the children of Israel, he says many times that we commit adultery against the Lord, right? And that is because, see, as a church, we're married to Christ, right? He's the, we're the bride and He's the bridegroom. And so when we begin to worship other gods, we commit adultery, right? Because we've left Him and we're, 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 we're worshiping a created God, someone else. And secondly, as I was talking about prostituting themselves, When you begin to sell your babies. When you begin to sell yourself to another God. You're prostituting yourself. Because you're giving your heart to them, right? You've sold out to them now. You left the Lord and you're selling yourself to this other God. Like a prostitute. And so that's why he uses that phrase there. And if we keep reading in verse 6, it says. And the person who turns to mediums. And familiar spirits to prostitute himself. There's that phrase again. With them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. If you turn to mediums and familiar spirits. As I shared with you last time. Mediums. What are mediums? Mediums are people who act as a goal between the dead and the living, right? That's a medium. Medium. Do you know what familiar spirits are here? When he uses this word, do you know what he's referring to? The Lord is referring to demons. That's what he's talking about here. If you turn to mediums, instead of turning to the Lord, right? If you turn to demons, instead of turning to the Lord, you're also going to be cut off. Again, we're not clear here if he's talking about stoning, But we do know one thing, is that they were expelled from the camp. Let's keep reading in verse 7. It says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. The Lord says, set yourselves apart, be holy, obey me, obey my word, and you will see I will do a great work through you. In and through you. And verse 9 goes on to say, For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Imagine that. Imagine if a child saw another child being stoned to death after cursing his mother or his father. What do you think would happen to that child? I don't think you'd hear any lip from any child anymore, right? If a child was witnessing disrespect, if he was witnessing the curse against parents, and he witnessed that child being stoned to death, I think there'd be a lot less kids disrespecting their parents. But the Lord is saying, you know what? This is a capital crime. The Lord is saying, this is a capital offense. Do you know why this is of such degree? Or or, or, or why the Lord would look at it as, as a capital crime? See, because respect and love begins in the home. See, if you know and you learn to respect your parents, then guess what? You're going to respect authority. You're going to respect God. If this isn't taught in the homes and there is no respect for authority, that's why crime is the way it is. You see children committing such heinous crimes today. Why do you think in California there are what? So many prisoners. Our jails are full and the jails can't contain them anymore and they're letting them out now, right? There's a disrespect for parents. And the Lord says, you know what? If your parents disrespect you, if they curse at you, what do you do? You stone them to the death. Again, you put out what? The infection. See, kids see them, uh, uh, kids see other kids disrespecting and cursing at their parents. They see it on TV, right? So what happens? They say, hey, if they do it, I could do it too. I'm mad at my parents. I'm mad at my mom. I'm mad at my dad. And so I can do the same. But if we stop it, as the Lord was saying, their children wouldn't be talking back. Verse 10 goes on to say, The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Imagine that adultery. Adultery, also a capital crime. So both the adulterer and the adulteress are put to death. And remember, the Lord was speaking to the Israelites, right? There was about 2 million of them, right? They were in a camp. They hadn't gone into the promised land. So He's giving them His laws. And right now, He's giving them the penalties for these laws. And you know what? A penalty like this would do? It would stop cheating, right? Cheating on your spouse. The promotion of of adultery on television, on movies is great, isn't it? They always talk about the good things, right? But they never talk about the consequences for them. The broken families. The broken hearts. And how these things spiral and they break the man or the woman. Recent studies reveal, and I'm going to give you some stats here, that 45 to 55% of married women have engaged in an extramarital affair. Imagine that. 45 to 55% of women have engaged in extramarital sex. Let's talk about the man. You wouldn't think that women would be that high, right? You would think that men would be much higher, right? The man isn't much higher, but he is higher. 50 to 60% of of married men have engaged in extramarital sex. Imagine that. And As far as what's been noted as reasons for divorce, infidelity accounts for 17% of it. Because most of them don't put that down, right? They just, irreconcilable differences is, I think, the number one reason. But do you know that 61% of Americans think that adultery should not be a crime? They've been polled. They've been asked. 61% of Americans say, you know what, adultery is no crime. See, because they've been desensitized to it, right? The promotion of it in the movies, on television. But the Lord says, you know what? It's a capital offense. And it deserves capital punishment. Stoning to the death." Let's keep reading in verse 11. It says, The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. A father. I'm sorry, a a son who lies with his father's wife. It could be a stepson. It could be a son-in-law. You know what? If he sleeps with his father's wife, with his mother-in-law or stepmom, what is the penalty? Death. Capital punishment. Stony. Verse 12 goes on to say, If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed, committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. We're not talking about rape here. We're just talking about consen- consensual. Is that how you say it? Consensual sex. And the Lord calls it a perversion. A father or father-in-law who sleeps with his daughter... Or his daughter-in-law, it's a perversion and they're guilty of stoning, of death. Verse 13 goes on to say, If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall, be, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Homosexuality, stoned to death. It's an abomination to the Lord. Verse 14 says, If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is a wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they, that there may be no wickedness among them. He goes on to talk about polygamy. If a man marries a girl and her mother, polygamy, more, married to more than one, it is a wickedness. They're not stoned to death. This one is what? This one is they are burned. You know, the, they are burned and not stoned. If we keep reading in verse 15, it says, If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. And if a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So if a man or a woman, they commit bestiality, they are stoned, they are killed. You know, when we talk about this, right? Why does the Lord keep saying their blood is upon them? See, when somebody commits a crime, they already know the consequences, right? The Lord is giving out His law. We went over that in chapter 18 and 19, right? And He had given it to them before too. And when they knowingly sin against the Lord, they know that the punishment is going to be death. So is the blood upon them? that they put it upon themselves? Yes. They committed the crime. They knew the punishment. So the Lord is just, they're just, they're just uh, uh, um, exercising it out. See, the Lord already told them, you know what, don't do this. And if you do this, this is what's going to happen. See, when we think about this, right? We're no different. You know, what happens to that man or woman that steals because they're hungry and they get caught? Does the judge say, oh, because you were hungry. We're going to let it go. No, they still got to pay the price, right? They knew already the consequences for committing that crime. And this is why the Lord says their blood is upon them. They already knew what they should have done and they didn't want to do it. So the judgment is exercised. The punishment is given. If we keep reading in verse 17. If a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. And they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. If a brother sleeps with his sister, sister sister-in-law, stepsister, they're cut off. They're out. And if we keep reading in verse 18, if a man lies with a woman during his sickness and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow and she has uncovered the flow of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from their people. If he's sleeping with his wife during a menstrual period, as we've gone over this, the Lord says, you know what? They're going to be cut off. If we keep reading in verse 19, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister nor of your father's sister, for that would uncover his nair of kin. They shall bear their guilt. So if you sleep, if he sleeps in verse 19, he says, if he uncovers his aunt's nakedness, if he sleeps with her, this is incense. He says, You know what? They're gonna be they're gonna be cut off. And if we keep reading in verse 20, it says, If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. They shall die childless. And if a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. So if he sleeps with his uncle's wife or he sleeps with his sister-in-law, you know what the punishment is for this? The Lord inflicts childlessness, barrenness. This was a punishment that the Lord would give out to these. And then let's keep reading in verse 22. It says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them, that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, For they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. You know, as we've been talking about, all of these sins, right? These are sins. These are abominations, perversion, wickedness before the Lord. And what does the Lord say? You know what? Those nations that do this, guess what I do? I vomit them out. You know, on the Christmas, it was on christmas or was it on thanksgiving well one of these two one of my sons he got food poisoning and he was dad i have the chills i'm cold i have a fever and he says i feel like throwing up and so i we told him throw it up adrian (laughs) i told you who it was throw it up adrian don't worry about it just throw it up it's an infection And so when he threw it up, guess what? He began to feel better. See, this is the way the Lord looks at nations that practice sin. He vomits them out. They're an infection that needs to be done away with. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? They were so far perverted that what did he do with them? He burned that city down, right? He destroyed it. There was nothing left of it. Why did he have to destroy them? Because that behavior spreads. You have it today, right? You have sodomy. You have homosexuality. You have this movement going on. And they're relentless because they got legs running under them. And they're trying to make it seem like it's a natural thing. We were born this way. You need to accept me like I am. But it's a perversion. It's an abomination to the Lord. The Lord talks about this, right? How he gives people up to their sin. But they need to be done away with. Let's turn to Second Peter. I want to read something to you. In Second Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, we're going to begin to read from verse 4. It said, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, Condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. What is the Lord trying to show us here? That you know what, there's punishment for sin. What is the wages of sin? Death. And many people look at God, like I said earlier, right? They say, well, how come God is so harsh? How could God do this? Isn't He a loving God? See, the Lord loves a sinner, but He hates the sin. Why did He come and die for them? First of all, that was the act of love, right? The greatest act of love is what He has done for us. To die for us. To come and die for their sins, right? That's what He did. But yet they rejected. If they were to receive the Lord, and they were to surrender their hearts to the Lord, if they were to ask God's forgiveness, true repentance, God would pour their spirit upon them. And they would change, because their hearts would be changed. Because they would love God, and God says in His Word, that if you practice sin, you practice these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God you're going to go to hell. The Lord gives them an opportunity, but their blood is upon them. God hasn't told, God, God. it isn't God issuing the punishment, it's they themselves, right? That have received this punishment. Because they rejected the Lord. They sent themselves to hell. It's not God that wants to send anyone to hell. It's they that send themselves to hell. And they know what's right, but they reject it. It's like any other sin, right? They want to live it out. They want to satisfy their flesh. And so they begin to practice sin. And the Lord says, sin is sin. The Lord didn't spare His angels. The Lord didn't spare the ancient world. The Lord didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. But they received due punishment. Their blood was upon them. Let's go back to... uh, To Leviticus, and let's finish. In verse 24, it says, But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. God has separated His people from the world, right? See, this is what he's talking about. I have separated you peoples. You know what's so amazing is that if we remain faithful to God, did you know that for the Israelites here, they say, he told them, You're going to inherit the land flowing with milk and honey. But you know, for us, what do we inherit? We inherit heaven. Isn't that what's so awesome? We become co heirs with the Lord. Of the heavenly kingdom and all that it possesses. You know what I love? Is that, see, God is so gracious. See, because He continues to reach out to the lost. To those that are in sin. You know what's so amazing about the Lord? If His grace wasn't so amazing, I wouldn't be here today. I don't think any of you would be here today if His grace wasn't amazing See, because none of us deserve what we have. But God graciously gives. He gave us chance after chance. And He kept reaching out to us. He kept calling you individually by name to come forward and to repent. And when you finally said, Yes, Lord. When you finally said, You know what? Yes, I want you, Lord. I'm sorry for my sin. He forgave you. And He gave you a new heart. And He poured out His favor upon you, a favor that you don't deserve. And he gave you so many spiritual blessings that you can't even understand all that you have received. We have the right to be called children of God and to receive all that he has for us. And this is what he's telling the Israelites stay away from sin and stay away from these people. You stone them, you get rid of them, you cut them off, you get them out of the camp because they're infectious and you can fall with them. You know, when we think about ourselves, right? We know where we can be and where we shouldn't be, right? But some of us like to play with the fire still, right? We still like to hang out in places where we shouldn't be hanging out. Know one thing. Take heed lest you fall. Our flesh is weak, Stay away from these places. Stay away from these people. Don't allow them to bring you down. We already know the truth, right? You've all heard the truth of God now. And the Lord has so much for you. See, when we look at our lives here on earth, we tend to look at our lives as being forever living on earth. But see, we don't live forever on earth. There comes a day that we will give our last breath when the Lord says, it's done. And then comes eternity. See, the Lord says, separate yourself from the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And give yourself to me, and you will live forevermore. See, if we persevere, if we learn to say no to sin, if we surrender ourselves to him, we will live forever. Let's keep reading. In verse 25 it says, "You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean, and you shall not make yourselves abominable and you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean." You know what? The Lord reminds him of the foods that were forbidden and the foods that were permitted. The foods that were clean and the foods that were unclean. And that's in chapter 11 of Leviticus, if you wanted to go back and read it. The Lord says, And you shall be holy, verse 26, to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. And he says, You know what? You can't be holy without me. He says, you try to be good. How many of us try to be so good apart from the Lord? And we kept falling and falling and falling. And so the Lord says, I will send you a comforter. I will send you a helper. And when you yield to this helper, He will give you the strength to overcome sin. Because He knows that our flesh cannot do that. And verse 27 finishes by saying, A man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Here he says, you know what? Anyone who is a medium that is in the camp, anyone that has familiar spirits, in other words, is possessed by these demons, you know what? You stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Remember, the Lord was talking about his camp here, right? He's talking about where he dwells. This is what he says you do away with them. This is where I dwell. Do you remember that the tabernacle was built here? And the Lord would dwell with his people in the camp? As he would dwell with his people in the camp, he expected his people to be holy, right? Because he was there. Think of it this way. These Jewish people, whenever they walked the streets, they didn't have to look over their shoulders. Their children were able to run freely in the wilderness. They're in the camp. You know, when it comes to us, there's going to be a place when we're not going to have to worry about sin. Did you know that you and I those that have surrendered themselves truly to the Lord. We're going to be in a place where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. We're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Did you know that it starts with the millennial kingdom? And that millennial kingdom starts after the seven-year tribulation. And the seventh-year tribulation is right around the corner The church will be raptured and the wrath of God, which is a seven year tribulation, will be issued upon this world. And after those seven years, God will establish his millennial kingdom for us to dwell in with him. And we're not going to have to experience any of this. It's going to be an amazing time and it's coming soon. Don't be ignorant of the times that we live in. You could see what's happening in Israel. You could see what's happening in the Middle East. You could see what's happening in the world around us. You could see what's happening in this nation. And what did the Lord say? Those nations that practice these things, He's also going to make an example of them. I pray we got to pray for our nation that we would turn back to God. So for us, you know what, as Christians after we went over this chapter I don't want you guys to be advocates for capital punishment that's not what this lesson was about what this study was about as we finish here, it's about praying for the lost praying for your loved ones, praying for those that are held captive in sin, those are the power, that, that's the power that we have to break these strongholds, which is a power in prayer. And we can be witnesses, right? Because we all walk like them, right? Every single one of us walk like them. But now we are examples of what God can do in and through us. His amazing grace to show to others that God is real. See, God... His grace abounds, where sin abounds. And there's still time. There's still time for those to come to the faith, to surrender their hearts to Jesus. But he's called us to pray and to be witnesses and to be a testimony of his amazing grace and his amazing power. And with that, we're going to close. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord.